Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Hello, hello, and sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is Jackson Vungani in Washington, and let's start the show with some sports news making the headlines around the world. Dozens of Indonesian police were placed under investigation this week over a stampede at a soccer match that killed 125 people as authorities sought to determine what caused one of the world's deadliest stadium disasters and who was to blame. a crowd of mourners singing at a candlelight vigil in Jakarta, Indonesia for victims of the stampede. Media reports said that panicked spectators were crushed on Saturday as they tried to flee the overcrowded stadium in Malang, East Java, after police fired tear gas to disperse fans of Arema FC who had poured into the pitch after a 3-2 home defeat to Pasbea Surabaya FC. Indonesian police commenting on the tragedy say that the stadium exit gates were too small for any effective escape by the fans. AP's correspondent Charles De La Desma reports. Authorities say the gates at the soccer stadium where police fired tear gas and set off a deadly crush were too small and could only accommodate two at a time when hundreds were trying to escape. Photos from the Malang Stadium where 125 people died and hundreds more injured on Saturday night in one of sporting events' worst disasters have showed four connecting doors forming one exit. Police say their probe is focused on six of the gates. They were unlocked, but only able to accommodate two people at most. Officials say the gates are the responsibility of the organisers. I'm Charles Duladesma. Pope Francis prayed, quote, for those who lost their lives and were injured in the clashes. That is Pope Francis praying for those who lost their lives and were injured in the clashes. Soccer's world governing body FIFA stipulates that, quote, no crowd control gas should be used at marches. And the commissioner for Indonesian rights body, Konmas, told a news briefing that if gas hadn't been fired, maybe there wouldn't have been chaos. The death toll is the largest at a soccer march since 1964 when 328 people were killed in a crash as Peru hosted Argentina in Lima. That is in 1964. The police spokesperson says that 28 police officers are under investigation while nine of them were stripped of their positions. For the latest developments, I reached reporter Ramadani Supata in the Indonesian capital, Jakarta. So right now the government has uh, organized or has set up an independent team to investigate the uh, so-called disaster in Kanjuruhan Stadium in Malang. And then uh, the team consists of uh, consists of uh, journalists, uh, academicians, and also soccer watchdog, and as well as legal experts. So they are still, you know, scrambling to find the reason uh, behind the disaster. Uh, regarding the number of casualties, 
uh, there is still differences between the data released by the police and also the data released by the local health agency in Malang. So the police, as of now, uh, still claims that there are 125 victims, while the local health, health agency in Malang uh, just tonight just confirmed that uh, there are six additional uh, fatalities, so the number of casualties uh, rise up to 131. So okay. there's still, you know, like a debate between the number of casualties. There's clearly a discrepancy between the numbers that are being provided by the government and the other numbers from the local health authorities. And, and there's, a, I guess, the yeah. difference is about... The reason is about like six people. Six people. Okay. So let, let's go back to, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about what happened uh, on uh, over the weekend, which teams were playing. Talk about the rivalry between these two teams. Uh, the the Saturday match is between the Persebaya Surabaya and also the Arema Malang. Uh, it is uh, it is held in uh, it was held in the Kanjuran Stadium in Malang, which is the home base of the Arema, uh, the Arema Football Club. And then uh, the organization of the match uh, actually has prohibited Persebaya Surabaya to from attending the match because. You know, due to strongly rivalry between the two teams, uh, uh, they, 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 there is a con- there was a concern that uh, there will be like a riot or crisis between the two supporters. So the match organizer uh, from the beginning had uh, had prohibited the Persebaya supporters to come to Malang to attend the match. And then uh, regarding the situation or regarding what happened uh, on Saturday night. So after the match, uh, which which was won by Persebaya Surabaya, and it was like the historical one, the historical victory for Persebaya because they never had, uh, they never uh, won any matches against Arema in Arema home bat. So it was quite, uh, you know, historic. Uh, you can say that. Uh, and then after the match that ended 3-2 uh, for Surabaya uh, victory, uh, Few supporters of Arema uh, come to the pitch to to shake hands with a uh, few players, but uh, the the police uh, who who were there uh, they thought that uh, they were going to the, the, the supporters who came to the pitch uh, they thought that they were going to make uh, some riots or they were going to you know like punching the 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 players so. They tried to secure the pitch, and then the situation uh, went into a riot after the police decided to. Wait, so let, let me to let me let me let me make sure that I understand you clearly. You're saying that okay, okay. Uh, you are saying that uh, after the match, after the game, uh, that yep. players or mm-hmm. fans of the opposing side of the home team came onto the field to shake hands with uh, their opponents yeah, or whether to congratulate them yeah. or whatever they were supposed to do. Uh, and then the police read the situation wrong and thought that there were tensions and that this could actually lead into fights. Uh, and that's when they deployed and started yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 throwing tear gas. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So the, the supporters uh, the, the supporters today... Uh, Actually, last night there was there was a press conference from the uh, Arema supporters. They said that uh, 
few supporters who came to the pitch uh, after the match on Saturday night. Basically, they just want they they just wanted to shake hands with the Arema players, and they don't want to make you know like any any classes or any riots. They don't want to cause a riot. So uh, so they deny their that uh, kind of uh, accusations. But the police uh, uh, mistook it, and then uh, you know, and then they they they. They fired few guys, and then the the the, the situation went. Uh, the situation the, got out of hand. Went panic. Yeah, it got out of hand, and then the supporters just, you know, because there's a lot of kids also who come to, to the stadium at that night, so they're just trying to, you know, to find the exit gap, and then uh, uh, one of the exit gap, the exit gate that I uh, that I know. Uh, was being closed. It was like the 13 gates. Like many of the supporters of uh, from the tribune that nears that is located near that exit uh, uh, gate, uh, try to you know try to exit the stadium. But the the, the gate was closed. There was uh, and then you know there was a stampede after that. Okay, and. Is this the first time that this type of incident has happened in Indonesian uh, uh, sports history where uh, riots or tensions between rivaling teams devolve into this type of violence? This is the first time the incident that killed uh, so many people, that, that killed, that, that caused so many casualties. This is the first time. This is the first incident uh, in the soccer national team that caused so many casualties. Uh, in the in the in the Indonesian national soccer uh, uh, team, uh, uh, the supporter recognized that there are other strong rivalry between clubs, and also uh, previously there were uh, you know clashes between supporters. But this is the first time. Uh, uh, how popular is soccer in Indonesia? It is very popular. It is, I think, the most popular uh, in the country. The the first one it, it, it's definitely soccer, uh, despite how bad the national team perform at the international level. But you know we 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 have like uh, big tendency to to support our our team uh, when it comes to uh, when when it's the national team are playing at the international stage. And then yeah, and then soccer uh, uh, at the local team like from kids to to. To adults, they, they they can play, and then I think it it almost I think soccer is the most yeah popular sport in Indonesia. It beats the popularity of badminton, the other uh, uh, famous sports in Indonesia. But regarding the number of fans, I think uh, soccer is is at the lead. That is reporter Ramadani Suparta. I reached him in the Indonesian capital Jakarta. You're listening to Sunnyside of Sports on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Bungani. Now, despite the ongoing war in Ukraine, the country is set to join Spain and Portugal in their bid to host the 2030 Soccer World Cup. Media reports said that Ukraine would host one of the groups in the tournament under the plan, which is understood to have been sanctioned by Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky and the governments of Spain and Portugal. The new partnership is due to be announced by Spain and Portugal during a news conference at European governing body UEFA's headquarters tomorrow, Wednesday. We'll bring you more on this story as it develops. This is the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. 
And let's stay in Europe where the president of Real Madrid, Florentino Perez, says that European football is, quote, sick and that changes are needed to stop younger fans from drifting away from the sport. So is Mr. Perez right that young people are actually kind of drifting away from soccer? Well, we put the question to young soccer fans in Kampala, Uganda. I'm by the names of Moisige Trevor. I live in Kansanga, Kampala, Uganda. I'm glad to be on the show. Um, yeah, football is very popular. It is as popular, like it's like so popular that every man <laughs> is, 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 is well aware of, you understand? This is something that, that has occupied most Ugandans. You understand? And uh, for us, people who are working in the leisure business, it's something that has supported, has supported most of the businesses around. Most especially, this is a very, very happy street. Like, it's full of bars, it's full of restaurants. You understand? So, that's what occupies most people, and people have tried to invest in it. Most of the people who have bars always uh, 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 display uh, the soccer, soccer events so that people can come and see and at a fee, you understand? So it's a very popular, it's a very popular game. I'm Katrina, uh, and I come from Kansanga, Kampala, Uganda. Yeah, soccer is a popular game because uh, actually most of my friends, I see them watching soccer, you know, they can focus a lot on soccer more than like even any other thing. Like, I guess most of my friends, like 90% of them, that's their hobby. Maybe, you know, there is a season for everything. So if it's a season for soccer, people like soccer. Even though it's not a season because you see those guys who go for bettings, of course, like, it, it shows, like, people love it. And if it's your hobby, of course you have to go for it. <laughs> soccer. Also, it is popular, but mostly the those Western footballs, like the Premier League, so our local football is also popular when it comes to those of Buganda clan clan soccer. So, but generally, football is the mostly dominant, as in for the side of sports, it's the mostly viewed sports here in Kampala. Uh, maybe in some areas, but here it's not losing popularity. It's not that popular in our country, Ethiopia. Yeah. Because some, like, <coughs> it's not like English Premier League. My name is Oro Martin, but my name, my, like, my nickname is XXI Sangdagati. Because, like, I'm a rapper, but about football, I don't like, I don't support football, man. It's loved, bro, it's loved. Because there are, there's a lot of kids who are, like, like, they're playing soccer, bro. Yeah. Like, even if I'm not playing it, but it's good. I like it. Like, I like watching when people are playing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm by names of Levy. Uh, soccer is a very popular kind of sport. Um, in my town, especially, it's, it's, a, it's a popular in a way that is every, it's watched every weekend, like on Saturday or Sundays, and even there are Monday fixtures and other weekends. No, I cannot say that because soccer is very popular, and actually it generates a lot of revenue in different kinds. where young soccer fans in Kampala, Uganda, talking about the popularity of soccer. Looks like soccer is still very much popular around the world, including in Africa.
Border Crossings. Join host Larry London. Larry London. On Border Crossings, VOA's only worldwide music request hour. Every weekday at 1500 Universal. Tune in for the biggest hits and amazing artists. Win prizes and get the latest news from exclusive celebrity interviews. Send your requests to Facebook at VOA Larry London, Twitter at Border Crossings, or Instagram at Border Crossings VOA. Or call 202-619-2077 and have your favorite music played to the entire world. Ah. Don't miss Border Crossings every weekday at 1500 Universal, only on The Voice of America. You're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on The Voice of America. Let's go to West Africa in Nigeria. There is renewed hope among sportswomen in Nigeria after Africa's most populous country got her first gold medal in the history of the World Athletics Championship with the performance of Toby Amosan, who set a world record to win gold last July in Eugene, Oregon, here in the U.S. But is her inspiration enough to get more gold medals for the country? From Lagos, Samuel Okocha reports on how Toby Amusan's performance in athletics is impacting Nigeria's sportswomen amidst challenges facing sports development in the country. Sports in Nigeria has not actually um, been motivating, you understand, due to the way the political instability is, and Nigerian Sports Commission has not been really giving us that courage. That's Ghaniat Idris. She's into Taekwondo, but she says... The performance of Toby Amuso at the last World Athletics Championship in the U.S. has renewed her hope as a young sportswoman in Nigeria. So looking at Amuso's performance has, has motivated a lot of Nigerian youth into sport, especially for young ladies that are into sport. So it has inspired me in being the best I can be and also looking forward to a gold medal in the upcoming national sports festival. Ghaniat is not alone. Amusu winning, it was a very great thing because it inspired me that never to give up on anything. Even though you are failing, failing, many failure can lead to success. Rafiu Lutifat dreams to play someday for one of the big football clubs in Europe. She says Amusan's performance in athletics is inspiring our journey as a female football player in Lagos. When I saw her, I was like, wow, because she has gone through a lot. She has gone through too many challenges. And I've seen that, wow, she, she did so well. So what really inspired me is that if she always keep pushing on and harder, then you'll get there someday. While sport women like Lutifat draw inspiration from Amusan's performance, other sport women like Ochuba Sera believes inspiration is not enough. You know, this is Nigeria. I feel like their their um, apex sports is like football, and then maybe after football, like basketball. So karate is not like giving that much attention, maybe because of all those bully sports. Of course, I'd like to be a world karate champion, like repping my country. I feel like we need more more promotion, more sponsorship. Sarah, who's into karate, says. Lack of adequate funding and poor facilities are slowing the growth of women in karate and other sports in Nigeria. The, the, basic, the basic thing is just sponsorship. 
from government, from private companies, from different parts of like different companies, just sponsorship. That's just the main the main issue of character because there's no money to sponsor athletes outside because we have many athletes that have potentials. But they cannot be discovered right here in Nigeria because they need to go out there and check out the standard and then make Nigeria proud. Sarah is not in isolation on our concerns. Our sentiments are also shared by our male counterparts. Yeah, some athletes are about to quit because they are not giving them more attention. Like some of them got to their peak and then there was no much attention, no more championship for them to attend, no intrinsic or extrinsic motivation, whatever. I'm a karate champion and I have been with so many champions that, should I say, had given up because they, they didn't have the chance to um, showcase their full potential in the world of sports. Joseph Omu, like Sarah, is into karate. He says if adequate attention is devoted to karate and other sports, more champions like Toby Amuso in athletics will emerge from Nigeria. The federal government or the sporting sector in Nigeria only pay attention to some few sports, which I would say mostly the team sports, because for the past few years I've noticed they only focus on football, then basketball came into the limelight. Then it was now, now became football and basketball. Now athletics had pushed their way in because I know the athletics president has really tried. The last year or last two years, I know how many athletics athletes have had gotten scholarship. Most of them, most of my friends, they're outside schooling now in the US based on their sports. So when you're giving opportunity trust me you always want to give back to the society so i think that's what happened in amoson's case okay let's look at it this way if the amoson was not was not given the opportunity to compete in a world championship or african championship like that nobody would have known amoson no one would have seen her full potential to just be like other athletes that are giving up and as sports women look forward to improvement in the support they get from managers of sports in Nigeria, athletes like Ghaniat Idris is keeping our hope alive to become a global champion someday. In the next five years, I see myself not only representing Nigeria, but I see myself representing the world. This is Samuel Okocha for VOA News in Lagos, Nigeria. Thank you so much, Samuel Okocha. That was Samuel Okocha in Lagos, Nigeria. This is the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. And let's stay in West Africa where a top official of the Mali Basketball Federation says that the country's national women's basketball team's poor outing at the FIBA Women's World Cup was due to inadequate preparation. Mali lost all five games at the FIBA Women's Basketball World Cup in Australia. That was after Mali replaced Nigeria following FIBA's ban of the country for government interference in the activities of Nigeria's Basketball Federation. Mamadou Bobel Konate is the deputy technical director of Mali's Basketball Federation. Konate spoke to reporter Mike Mbonye about the performance of Mali's national women's basketball team at the FIBA World Cup. He says that inadequate preparation and lack of experience made the team perform poorly at the World Cup. I think it's not so bad, but uh, it's a young team. 
and uh, my team have not uh, good preparation. They have uh, uh, two weeks or three weeks for preparation, and uh, I have not uh, three players are not coming in the national team. Donc, is is not a good thing for my team bet. My team is uh, young. The average for age is uh, 24. Uh, Aidara is a young player. What do you think went wrong with Mali's women national basketball team in Australia? There are reports that there was misunderstanding among the players. Has it been resolved? No, we have not. Uh, we have good relation for the players, but we have uh, incidents for two players because uh, uh, we have not understand uh, uh, in the game. One player say uh, is your fault. Because uh, the, the defeat for Serbia, and uh, the young player say it's not your fault, and uh, it's incorporation for uh, the players. But uh, every scandal, the, you have no pro- problem in the team. is uh, uh, is not uh, a good thing, but uh, the ambiance in the team is uh, is correct. Is a mistake in uh, for young players is uh, is not good because uh, the moment is not uh, good and the place is not good. But uh, people say the problem no, we have no problem with the team after this uh, this thing. The player eat and uh, uh, discuss uh, in the room. It's the same room. And uh, every people say uh, Mali is not ready for this competition. Oh, perhaps yes or no. Uh, Mali is here because uh, the political, uh, uh, political in Nigeria take a decision, and uh, I don't uh, judge a decision is good or is not good, but. Uh, if Mali say no, is another country in North Africa, is Brazil, take the place for Africa. Uh, I think uh, uh, representative for Africa is a exciting thing, but uh, it's too late to FIBA take the decision uh, for for Mali. It's too late. I don't think if a uh, good uh, response for FIBA is a good thing because uh, it's possible to discuss for Nigeria government uh, or federation uh, to take this uh, your, your place. But it's not a fault for, 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 for Mali, it's a fault for African basketball. If African basketball does not uh, give your hand and uh, in uh, national federation don't uh, work for everybody, it's difficult. Has the Mali Basketball Federation assessed the performance of the team in Australia? 
but uh, the game is finished now. The federation uh, uh, wait the, the, the evaluation for the coaches. When uh, the federation, evaluation for the coaches, the federation take the decision for uh, this uh, this. Uh, for the campaign for Australia. But I think, uh, yeah, many, many, many things is uh, good for two two years or three years. Um, the team is young, yeah, is a good uh, prospection. But uh, the first game and two game, they have many problems uh, for the yeah, for for the coaches, for the choice, because the players are not uh, training uh, uh, with us. They are, they are not training. They have uh, two, three days, three, uh, three, three more, uh, three week for preparation. Uh, but in uh, uh, two years and three years, two years is a good team because many people are young and uh, he play under 16, under 17, 18, 19. That was Mamadou Konate, Deputy Technical Director of Mali's Basketball Federation. He was speaking with reporter Mike Mbonye from Bamako in Mali. And that wraps up this October, the fourth edition of The Sunny Side of Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington. Remember to connect with us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook and on Twitter. Visit our website at boaafrica.com slash sunnysideofsports. 